Hello and welcome to the Swing Lies podcast. This is episode number 69, Foundational Breathing Method for Swimming. This is an interview phone call with Dominic Latella from The Swim Box. That's right, we are having him back on the show for round two, where we talk about swimming and the foundational breathing method for it. We go in-depth on how you can integrate it into your program and some things that you should look out for as well when you're teaching swimming. Let's get started. Right today, we are talking to Dominic Latella from the swimbox.com. And we've had him on the Swimming Ideas podcast before, uh, but this time we are talking explicitly about the foundational breathing method for swimming. Now, this is an online course that you can enroll in uh, at teachable.com, and it has a huge library of things uh, around what you can do. So there are videos, descriptions, um, training programs, uh, exercises, and demonstrations for how you can start focusing on your breath when you are doing your swimming. Um, Dominic Latella uh, has been in the sport for 14 years and not just as a coach. Uh, he is the only level four U.S. Masters swimming coach in Virginia and D.C. Uh, he's the head swim coach for adaptive swimming at Walter Reed. He's a two-time coach at USMS High Performance Camp. He has 10 years coaching experience with swimmers of all ages and ability levels. The USA Masters swimming level one to three certification instructor. A U.S. Master Swimming Learn to Swim certification instructor, and his straight-to-the-point scientific approach, which you're going to see as we talk here, helps you learn safe and efficient swimming techniques. Swimbox Endless Pool technology allows Dominic and his team to help uh, stop you in mid-stroke and make any corrections or adjustments right there. He'll tell you exactly what needs to be done with your swimming to become more efficient, to get faster, and to swim injury-free. Without more ado, uh, let's get right into it, and we're going to jump into our conversation with Dominic Latella from Swimbox.com. Let's get started. Great. <laughs> okay. Um, so you, from what I understand, you just went on a training trip, right? Yeah, so we were down in the Bahamas for about two and a half weeks uh, doing open water training. Uh, we did what we like to do is keep uh, the group really small. So we do six people in the first week and six people in the second week. Uh, that way, 
you had to give like really good feedback to everybody and everyone kind of gets a lot of attention. Um, and it's just also easier for planning purposes because uh, we tend to like to do like an open water swim in the morning and then go to the pool and swim in the uh, afternoon. Do you fly? But if, like, you know, condition. Sorry, yeah. do you fly yeah, so people? We slow down. Do you like, uh, do they, are they people from your area where you're running the swim box or are these like people from the Bahamas that you're like a consultant? No, these, <laughs> these are, these are my clients, uh, from swim box. Um, and I, I actually used to live where we go. We, we go to Elbow Key, uh, in Abaco, Bahamas, uh, specifically Hope Town is where we're staying. Right. Uh, so I actually started coaching down there. That's where I, I kind of learned how to coach a little bit. So. <laughs> What's the purpose of it? Like, what? Like, is it for triathletes or like, what's the. Goal? Yeah, so. Yeah, everyone that has come so far has been a triathlete. Um, and the water temp at that time of year, basically towards the middle of February, is roughly going to be the water temperature that most of my clients are going to be competing at. What's that? Um, uh, roughly 75 to 78 degrees. So. Mm -hmm. They can they can practice with a wetsuit. They can practice without a wetsuit. So nice. It uh it just gives a lot of uh, opportunity to try different things. I actually have one person that brings multiple wetsuits down to see which one fits her the best. <laughs> um, and which yeah, it's crazy, but you know it, it works for her. So yeah, well that sounds good. Uh, it's, it's a really good time. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, do you do that annually, or is that like a like a random thing, or do you? Do you always plan it around February? Yeah. Uh, so we try to plan it around President's Day weekend, and this was our second year doing it. Um, it was uh, it was a bit of a change from our first year. So this year, what we did was start making breakfast for everybody after our first swim, and then we also <laughs> started making dinners for everybody too. Uh, so it was uh, coaching and catering. It was it was really good. Uh, what did you make? Uh, breakfast was typically eggs to order. Okay. Uh, and then we had, uh, those protein pancakes. Have you tried yeah. those? No, are pancakes? They? no, they're, they're pretty good. You can buy them in any grocery store, actually, at least around here, we can buy them in any grocery store. Okay. Uh, they're, they're really good. Actually. They don't, they don't, they don't hit you hard, you know? Yeah. So, okay. Uh, are you good at making eggs? Um, uh, I actually didn't do any of the cooking. My lovely wife and business owner, Alyssa, did all of the cooking. Okay. Um, between you and me, I think I make a better egg than she does. But, <laughs> okay. you know, uh, but she's uh, not here on the phone having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. So in the same vein, I feel like I make a better egg than my wife. But between you and me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell her. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. So, um that, that's really exciting. What else have you been doing in the last like year that since we talked from then? I know you released a course, Foundation Breathing Method. Um, anything else noteworthy? Which we'll get into in a bit here, but uh, let's see. Noteworthy. Let's see. Uh, we've been doing a lot of traveling to do clinics for Foundational Breathing Method. Uh, we went to go to um, Anaheim to do a clinic, and that was really great uh, it was just not just well received it was it seemed to actually kind of take hold with people and, and making a difference and in, in everyone that kind of participated uh mm -hmm. so that was a really great experience were you um, visiting a specific but, club out there sorry i, I interrupt a lot so um, <laughs> yeah no it's fine yeah. no um i'm trying to think of the masters 
team. So it was, uh, we were hosted by Mike Collins mm-hmm. and I don't remember the name of his team. And I feel badly that I don't remember the name of his team. Not all the athletes that were there were on his team, but some of them were. So they must not have made you eggs in the morning. Uh, he did <laughs> not make me eggs in the morning, but he did introduce me to uh, frothing coconut oil in my coffee. Oh, is this like a bulletproof coffee type of thing? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I always would have coconut oil in my coffee anyway, but I would just, it would be like drinking an oil slick. You would just have to drink the first <laughs> layer of oil. Yeah. So he, he introduced me to putting it into a magic bullet and frothing it and making it a little bit more special. Ah, so interesting. Okay. There you go. Things you learn when you, you travel. Yes. Uh, <laughs> try to think, you know, a lot of, a lot of this year has been kind of focused on uh, getting a second location for Swimbox. So okay. we're, we're on the edge of doing that. Um, and then really focusing on foundational breathing method and doing clinics and answering questions and you know, that type of stuff. What, what's the clinic like? Like, what are you, um, like, I know when you're refining your delivery for like a, if you're giving a speech or if you're going someplace to give a presentation on something, you want to have a, a very targeted focus message what like how do you because there's a lot of material in the foundation breathing method course that you have online mm-hmm. how, how did you refine that what was your process to kind of make sure at a clinic you were giving a good takeaway and a punch for uh, your participants so i kind of like look took a look at the course that we made online and said okay well what are the components of this course there's uh sort of lecture components mm-hmm. there's in water components um, and then there's dry land components. So I said, well, that, that makes my outline really easy. Let me just break this clinic into those three components. Uh, okay. So we started, yeah, this is pretty straightforward. Actually. So we started <laughs> with an hour long <laughs> lecture um, and that hour flies by. Like, oh, yeah. The thing that you can talk in a classroom setting about breathing for an hour actually was like mind blowing to me. Um, I, was, I was a little worried. Um, like, oh, I don't know if I can fill an hour of, of just talking about breathing, but it actually flew by. Um, and then we went to the pool mm-hmm. uh, and we were we were on a, a little community college campus that had an awesome ca- classroom facility, an even better pool facility and an even better gym facility. It was wow. like perfect. So went to the pool. We basically um, had everyone laying down on their stomachs on the pool deck, working <laughs> on some crocodile breathing, learning how to actually do some diaphragmatic breathing, learning how to move through ribs a little bit on land first. And then we kind of just went through the protocols uh, that we created on the course uh, in person. And, and it was, it was great. Uh, one of the participants who was fairly new to swimming um, said that she, well, first of all, her coach warned me about her and said, <laughs> you know, she's, she's not a great swimmer. She's going to fishtail all over the place. Uh-huh. And as soon as I saw her swim, it was after she got all this instruction. I didn't see any of that. It was gone. Wow. And, you know, after the first length, uh, one of the protocols is we're going to just swim um, with this new posture that you've just learned, but we're not going to worry about breathing. So you're just mm-hmm. going to hold your breath. Mm-hmm. And when you want to, you just stop and stand up. Um, well, like she that. swam the entire length. Yeah. So she, she swam the entire length and she was shocked. Because she had never swam an entire length without taking a breath ever in her life. She thought it was actually impossible for her to do. Wow. Um, 
which was really cool because that means either her efficiency improved, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't have to try as hard to get across the pool. Mm-hmm. And then that also probably means that she was getting a better inhale as well. Um, so that she was actually pulling sort of air down deeper into her lungs, sort of going into the bloodstream a little bit better and that she could process that oxygen a little bit better too. Uh, so it was pretty neat just to see almost like this instant change in somebody. That's phenomenal. Like that's the whole point. Right? Yeah. It's like, pretty, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the response and like seeing people respond to this stuff so quickly, like mm-hmm. I get to see it kind of in a one-on-one situation with my lessons. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was kind of really cool to see a group of 15 people kind of all experiencing similar effects going, Oh, Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I could do that. Oh, I could do that. <laughs> and then they so, feed off each other too. It's really probably, good. Right. And, and, Oh, oh you're yeah, doing this. Absolutely. I'm doing that. At, at some point it was almost hard to control everyone. It was like, everyone was getting really <laughs> excited. It was like, okay, you don't need to go off the wall right now. Take a break. You, know, you don't need to like <laughs> kill yourself here. Just rest. Yeah, slow um, down. So yeah, yeah, after the pool session, yeah. Uh, after the pool session, we had take a little break. We had a lunch and then we did some gym stuff to kind of support some of the, the changes in posture. Um, so doing some just exercise breakouts that kind of forced people to get into some positions that they normally might not get into. So what do you mean by good. that? Like what, what, what kind of posture would um, someone not normally get into? Like laying on the floor with your so, feet up in the air type of thing? <laughs> yeah, similar, but um, things like if you, most people know what uh, cat pose is in yoga, right? Yep. So you can kind of use that as an example. So cat pose, pretty common pose. Um, but one of the things that we try to get people to do into cat pose is make sure they're kind of rounding out their, their back, their upper back and lower back because of their exhale and not just forcing it with their pelvis and jamming their sternum upward towards their spine mm-hmm. um, and making sure their, their weight is kind of forward on their hands and their shoulder blades are, are somewhat down and, and close together. They're not completely down and not completely together, mm-hmm. but taking something similar to as cat pose, changing some slight variations there and then asking them to try to like inhale, um, into their uh, upper back or feeling their their back actually expand with air and things like that where it just kind of puts a different sort of view on a similar exercise i've okay i've done cat pose a few times i'm not particularly flexible um at all but i i Mm -hmm. have done it in some part because of going through your course, but also just, it's like one of those standard yoga poses, like the cat cows type of thing. And I feel like I'm the person that shoves my sternum into my spine to, to do it without Mm -hmm. doing it with my breath. How would, like, how could you tell that's what I was doing? Cause I'm thinking, right. I'm going to be, if I'm going to be doing something with my developmental kids, which are five Mm -hmm. to 12, I'm, I need to know what to look for because um, how, how do you, what would you say to me who's like driving my sternum in to let my breath carry the motion? So I think a good starting point is having um, your kids or even yourself 
like let them feel it themselves with their hands or something uh, where like you can put, they can have their hand sort of right below their clavicle um, and they can feel themselves sort of taking a really big breath and let their, their rib cage protract forward. Right. Okay. And you can feel that I'm doing it right now. I don't know if you just heard me. Inhale. Um, <laughs> I'm doing right. it too. I'm standing here. So, doing it. I got my hands yeah. on my chest right, so and I'm like, of, Oh yeah. <laughs> you can feel how like your, your ribs are kind of pushing up against your hands. And then if you exhale and everyone listening right now, if you exhale, you can feel <laughs> your ribs kind of move away from your hands. You don't necessarily have your hands move with your ribs, but you can feel your ribs move away from your hands and how they kind of, close and come down and and once you kind of understand that you go oh okay well that's my ribs down i don't i don't need to push my sternum in or down in order to force my ribs down i can do that with my breath mm. so that's part of it is, is learning that first because that sternum in motion mm-hmm. is really tempting right because i can i can yeah. stick my chin forward and my stern will go down and go look i made my ribs close it's mm-hmm. kind of like an illegal move, right? Yeah, you can make that move, but it's not going to be very beneficial to you. Um, so once you kind of get there, you kind of like, okay, I understand that 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 idea of my ribs kind of move down when I exhale, they move up when I inhale. And so in the cat pose, instead of forcing the rounded back, you want to think, okay, my ribs are closing as I exhale, and my as I exhale, those ribs close. My pelvis is actually getting closer to my ribs. So you kind of just focus on that piece. Like you're, you're not forcing a pelvic tilt. You're letting it kind of happen naturally. Um, and so that's, a, that's a really important piece. So it's like turning off your, like you're not moving. You're letting your breath move you. Like you kind of started. Yeah. Exhale is moving your chest away from your hand. You're not pulling your chest away from your hand. You're it's, happening exactly. as a result of the breath okay all right so so exactly. my my question and this isn't for you but what which i'm going to investigate which i'm really interested in is how do you get other people to like turn that off that like that that when i'm thinking about the 10 year old boy in, sw- in swim team that wants to go fast so mm-hmm. he does breaststroke kick on freestyle and because for him that's faster you know like right how do you get that kid to do this like pay attention to their breath without just saying oh i did it by like bending you know going the easy way and cheating i guess but that's a, that's a different discussion here um <laughs> and that's kind of like my experience with the foundation breathing method is like you know we do all these activities um but with like a six-year-old or a seven-year-old they're i gotta like trick them into it and be like do this yeah. and you know without them actually knowing what we're doing um yeah <laughs> so i just i literally just had uh, a lesson with an 11 year old girl oh, okay cool. so she's a really good example um so what i made her do was uh feel those ribs come down just like i just described mm-hmm. um and then i had her swim six strokes no breath feeling what it felt like to be swimming in that posture and then i said to her this time you're going to go um two stroke cycles with your ribs down and then i want you to do two stroke cycles with your ribs open and so she got to compare and contrast so she knows what it feels like to do it one way versus the other way and i'm fortunate enough that she was in my endless pool and as soon as she opened up her ribs she got pushed back and just like 
right to the end of the pool, like right to the back of the pool. <laughs> so it was very, and she didn't change anything other than her rib position, right? So it was very mm-hmm. obvious to her that, oh, I've got to figure out how to make this happen or otherwise I can't keep up. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's it's in segments of usually people's strokes. It's usually not, usually not someone swimming that way all the time, right? So mm-hmm. what, what you commonly see is, uh, especially in kids, as they're going to get a breath, they open up their ribs to help, you know, lean back and get their head out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it was for her. So it was like, okay, now you know what it feels like to open your ribs. You know what it feels like to have your ribs closed. Can you apply this as you go to take your breath? And so she kind of worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, by the end of the lesson, she was, she was getting it. And so hopefully I see her next week. She still has it next week. I hope. Yeah. So. <laughs> it might take a few encouraging reminders and, a re- yeah, refresh, but yeah, exactly. it'll, it'll be there. That's great. Um, uh, so, okay, yeah. we're, we're talking about uh, breath and the foundation breathing method. Um, let's let's just recap real quick. What what is it? Why is and why? Uh, okay, let me let me start over. Last time we had uh, you were on the podcast, you said a sensational thing that breathing was the foundation of swimming right and and at the time it's kind of like you know i never thought of that but the more involved with um thinking about it i've become uh, the more that we've talked the the more convinced i am absolutely that it is the like like you say the the word foundation is appropriate because it's the basis on which we build the rest of our swimming strokes um it's like the scaffolding for everything else um yeah uh, if you could just like kind of recap, like I know you said that you sure. were watching people swim and you all of a sudden you're like, huh, like I see them doing this. Let's, I wonder if this is the thing. Um, just kind of go into that for, for so, a brief second that we can move uh, on here. I'm, I'm just, I'm really fortunate. I get to see a variety of people swim from, you know, all walks of life. You know, people that started swimming in their thirties or people that started swimming when they were, you know, six or all over the place. So when it came time to sort of work on posture it's in our swim box protocols, the very first thing we want to look at is someone's posture, right? So we look at their posture. Oh, they have a big dip in their lower back. Well, how do we fix that? Well, I would tell them, I used to tell them, pull your belly button in and tuck your pelvis. Like you're, you know, bringing your belt buckle to your chin. Um, and that, that worked for maybe, maybe like 10% of the people. And then more realistically, that 10% would try to pull their belly button in and they could do it for maybe like 20, 30 seconds, but they couldn't maintain it because it's actually not a maintainable thing or cue to ask someone to do. Um, Basically what they're doing is just closing down their core versus actually engaging their core. So the other percentage of people that I asked to tuck their pelvis in either couldn't do it um, or when they did it, their legs sink to the bottom of the pool. So I, I did basically went down this really deep rabbit hole of, well, how do you fix um, yeah, that curve back lordosis basically? Mm-hmm. And there's no good answer. There's no way to really absolutely fix it. Uh, but what I did discover or learn was breathing was sort of the determining or determining factor of posture. So your posture affects how you breathe and your breath affects your posture and so that that was like that was when I, the lights went off and the sirens were off like wait a second 
Mm-hmm. So you're telling me if I can change the way someone breathes, I can change their posture. If I can change their posture, I can affect how they breathe in the water. And that could make them use their breath more effectively when they swim, right? Because think about it, you're, you can't swim without breathing. You have to breathe. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty straightforward, right? Breathing is actually a really important part of swimming. But how are people actually breathing? And it was just all these different sources of information where I was just like, con- I, I think I spent probably a year, year and a half of just reading about breath and posture mm-hmm. um, before I even like attempted to play around with it and talking to different people. And I still, even to this day, I get contacted by people all over the world who we, you know, have conversations about breathing mm-hmm. um, and what it means for swimming. So it was just kind of fi- trying to figure out how do I promote a different posture in the water through someone's breath and recognizing that I'm, my job is to be a swim coach and not to be a physical therapist. I'm not trying to correct their posture on land. I just need them to be able to um, change their posture based off of a bias. The bias is being water or swimming. I'm swimming. So therefore I must apply a different posture. And as people got better at sort of, I'm going to say better mobility, um, they were able to change that posture and it became sort of a habit. And I was like, okay, I think I'm onto something here. Um, and <laughs> side note, I just got a really funny email from somebody who is taking the FBM course right now, who um, told in this email told me that they were very skeptical of it at first. They went to the pool and did not feel like they had mastered it, but dropped three seconds off of their 100 time. Wow. So, and now he's convinced, right? And that yep. and that's kind of what had been happening. It was is this like these aha moments for my clients going, Oh, I get that. Aha, I can do this. Um so and then it kind of was just this momentum of okay, well, I want to make sure I started coaching because I had surgery on both of my shoulders. Um I didn't need it probably. It could have been avoided with better technique. So I started coaching because I didn't want that to happen to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my mission is if anyone wants to swim, I want to make sure that they can swim, no matter who they are, what's going on with them. I want to make sure they can swim. And so um, I felt like part of my mission is to be able to disseminate this information. And so that's why I made the course is I wanted to make sure if someone wanted to swim, but had, you know, those classic sinky legs or those couldn't float moments, right? There's a reason for that. And it's their posture and their breath. I need to be able to get this information to them. So that's, that's why I created the course. And, and it's uh, helped people that, like you said, there's, there's someone that just is in the course now that uh, dropped three seconds on their time. Um, You've had other clients and personal clients before you even reached the course where you went through this method with them from my understanding. Uh, with success mm-hmm. for that. Um, I've went, I've been through the course. I've used it with my swimmers. I see a noticeable result um, when we talk about it and focus on it. Uh, specifically, like you said, the uh, earlier we were talking, the fishtailing. I'm thinking of mm-hmm. this 12-year-old that just joined our team, um, which I haven't gone through this with, um, that when I see her, or we just finished our break, when I see her next, we're going to do some of these same things and I'm going to frame it in a way that aligns it along this diaphragmatic crocodile breathing. 
Um, and I, I'm, yep. I want to see this change because I know it's going to happen and I know um, how it's going to adjust her swimming. And I really liked how you said posture and breath and breath defines posture because uh, it's one of the core tenets for swimming is posture, line and balance. And that are like the kind of the, the, the foundation. And we should probably add breathing there because it's a part of posture. Uh, <laughs> right. you know make it a four instead of just a three um, so yeah, yeah i yeah i i love i like it i like it what now now i heard this before on um uh there's a really good description on what diaphragmatic breathing is and why what the diaphragm is in the foundation breathing method course uh what is crocodile mm-hmm. breathing exactly because you've used the term a few times i used it you use it in your course but okay. can you kind of give a brief description of it sure so i like the crocodile breathing it's just a sort of a an exercise or you can call it a breakout it, it's barely an exercise mm-hmm. um but it, it's a, it's a starting point for me um to help people learn how to control their their breath and their rib cage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's laying down on your stomach. You would crash, cross your hands on top of each other. So they make a pillow and you just lay your head on your, your hands sideways with your cheek. All right. And so what it's doing, gravity is helping you, right? Gravity isn't going to allow you to have your ribs sort of protract forward because there's the ground there. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen very easily. So then it kind of automatically is forcing the ribs in a more of a downward position. So then people can start to inhale and force air sort of into their lower back. And I wouldn't necessarily describe um, to, we'll say this, for simplification purposes, we use the term diaphragmatic breathing because I think people know what that means for the most part. But scientifically speaking, it's not true diaphragmatic breathing. Yes, we want your diaphragm to help you, but it's not only your diaphragm that's helping you breathe, right? So that's the disclaimer there. Um, So crocodile breathing is that sort of idea of as you inhale into your lower back, you can start to sort of feel your your lower back vertebrae sort of separate and stretch. And and for all my like adult swimmers, they always kind of start to go, oh, that feels nice. That feels good. Mm -hmm. So it's like decompressing those, those, those vertebrae back there. And so if you sort of watched uh, an alligator or a crocodile breathe, you can see their stomach sort of expand out and their back start to expand up a little bit. And that's what we're looking for in crocodile breathing. And that's why it's called that. So you can start to see as someone fills up their lower back, their ribs start to expand outward and upward. And so one of the things that I, I like to cue is once they learn how to do that, I teach them how to fill up all the way, like 100% in the lower back which would not be beneficial to anybody, right? It would be very uncomfortable to try to swim 100% filled up. Yep. Um, so once they find they're 100% filled up, I ask them to go to maybe 80%. And these numbers are kind of all sort of made up numbers because it's just whatever that person is perceiving. So it's helped to be, helpful to be able to see them and, and, and feel them in person and go, okay, well, that might be a little too much. That might be a little too little. But um, in the course, we have a really good demonstration Actually, my wife is the the model, so to speak, in the course, and she does a great job. <laughs> I was going to so, ask about that if that was her. Uh, I was watching it um, yeah, a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, I, I think this is your wife. <laughs> it, it is my wife, and she makes a really good pancake. <laughs> I can't speak about the eggs, but the pancakes are good. Um, so 
she also does a really good job of doing crocodile breathing. And it's actually depicted really clearly of, of what it looks like when you have about, you know, what I said about 80%. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to fill up about 80%. You want to be able to exhale about half of that, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to exhale all of it and you start learning, okay, well, this is sort of where you're going to live while you swim. You don't need to blow all your air out. You don't need to inhale a hundred percent. All right. And, and, and it kind of goes into the, the concept of any sort of athletic pursuit that you do. You're never doing anything to the extreme 100 percent. All right. And, yep. you know, if uh, an example would be if I ask someone to kick, I would never expect them to kick with their legs completely locked. They mm-hmm. wouldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's that same idea where we won't want anything to be 100 um, percent. And so once they learn how to kind of do that you know, 80 to, to half to 50% or whatever, when they start exhaling, then we start talking about, okay, well, can you exhale and let your ribs come down? Because if you can do that on the, the ground and that crocodile breathing, it kind of helps set the tone for when you come off the ground. Because it is a whole nother story when you're standing upright and you yeah. don't have gravity pressing your ribs against the ground for you. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the tricky part is going, okay, now you can do it with some gravity's help. Can you do it while you stand up? Um, and some people can, some people can't. And if you can't, then there's a couple of little things that you got to try to troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. So, and what is this aiming so, at? Like, the, so the goal here is to, by by working on the crocodile breast, by working on the posture, mm-hmm. then in the water, we remove that tilt, like you said, the, the dosis or the... Uh, interior pelvic tilt and then the feet don't sink mm-hmm. it's an easier distance like you said the the girl who had never swam one length without breathing before was able to like mm-hmm. just by mm-hmm. working on breathing like i mean i, I say yeah. just but like it's a massive undertaking because it's such a habit like how we breathe and how we stand um right. which we're kind of overcoming that habit um that's the focus right i mean that's the aim is better faster swimming yeah, I mean that's that's the whole point of swimming, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like swimmers, yep. any any swimmer, I consider a triathlete a swimmer, right? So anybody that's swimming, oh, absolutely, yeah, right, mm-hmm. inherently wants to be lazy, right? They're inherently like, well, what's the easiest way I can go fast in the water? So yeah, yeah. Um, that's what that's about is instead of trying to like fight everything and, and keep your belly button squeezed into your spine, all you have to do is breathe. So it's that simple. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that what people need to really kind of consider is how they're getting their breath and then what are they doing with that air? Like, where's that air going? What do you um, mean? And I, so if I inhale, I, I see a lot of people taking a breath when they're swimming and they actually sort of, I call it their, their chest kind of opens up. It kind of comes more exposed to the front of the pool, so to speak, or the, the front direction in which they're traveling, right? Okay. So, well, is it, is it possible that you can keep your ribs sort of a little bit more down and use your full sort of capacity so you should be able to breathe in a 360? Most adults can't do that. I would say, like, no adults really do that very well. Some you, you mean like rotate, fans, rotating on? Uh, sorry to interrupt. Does it mean like rotating on the no, spinal axis? Like, um, three sixty, they can breathe while rotating on their spine instead of 
lifting the head up and arching a little bit. Is that what you mean by 360? Yes and no. So okay. like what I mean, like if I, if, if you were just on land and I was mm-hmm. watching you breathe, I should be able to see sort of your entire trunk expand three dimensionally. Ah, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Babies do it naturally. Babies are really awesome at that. But as we grow and we have postures and um, <laughs> as we learn how to walk, walking uh, changes the way that our posture is and walking changes the way that we breathe. And I, I just laughed because I was thinking about um, one of the, the teachers of, of uh, Postural Respiratory Institute told a funny story about his, his kid tried to start walking too soon because he knows that you know if you start walking too soon as a child, you can actually do damage to your posture and your breathing so he's like kick the kid down and make sure he stayed on his stomach (laughs) i'm sure it was not a true story but it was a really it's really funny but it it gets the point across that you know how we move what we're doing on a day-to-day basis is going to affect our posture and that's going to affect our breath um Mm -hmm. so what you were saying was uh when they take that breath and they sort of arch, right? Mm-hmm. That that part is the yes part. Yeah, so that's what I see. And okay. you can think about it in terms of like um, people using their back extenders, so like the mid-back, to help them breathe, to lift their, their chest up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, or what's even worse, and I, I've, it's really dangerous actually, is people breathing through their, uh, their traps. So if they took a breath and their shoulders move up towards their ears when they breathe. So why would someone do that swimming or is that like more um, of a, they don't like, mean to okay <laughs> it's it's more just how they breathe on land they don't make an adjustment for their bias in the water okay. um and so in the water they don't realize it but they're taking these like smaller breaths very repetitive breaths mm-hmm. over and over lifting those up and some weird things could start to happen because there's there's nerves in there that scalenes could get stuck on and um you can start triggering some nerve pain and, and nerve issues there so okay so if you've I'm ever looking... heard of thoracic outlet syndrome, I ha- so. no i haven't that's no, okay so, anyway <laughs> <laughs> um uh, but but okay so that's actually uh, um i want to just make a quick comment like i'm looking at this from like how do we establish good habits because you know my teaching and experience with swimming is from beginner to they're ready for competition so i'm looking at the breath and the the posture as how can we start them on a good habit right away from the beginning um and 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 uh a lot of kids are very similar, in my opinion, to adults who have bad habits because they're really um, they they sometimes lack the the focus on deliberately practicing something. They just want to go fast, or mm-hmm. uh, they just want to get to the other side. <laughs> Whereas, like an adult's, like I, I got this, I know this. Now you're telling me it's all wrong. I have to fight against my habit. So um, that's where a lot of these questions yeah. I'm asking are coming from. It's kind of like, how do I, how do we get that habit going? I think you're doing a great job of uh, uh, addressing it there. Um, uh, and then I, I wanted to go towards um, your your the the comment you made about uh, the upper th- is it upper thoracic? What was the the term you just had for the pinched nerve and the shoulders? Oh, th- thoracic outlet syndrome. 
Yes, thoracic. So you, your the the original swim box location is associated with a. Um, you're in a not a medical facility, but it's like a therapeutic. Place? It is technically, yeah. Yep. So it's it's a physical therapy office in a uh, regenerative sports medicine doctor's office as well. So we all share the same space, and we all mm-hmm. sort of collaborate together and talk about ideas together and share clients. So. And I saw you had a court, like a class for deliberate breathing uh, for like uh, posture benefits on land. Was that on your website? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's um, PRI, Postural Restitute or Respiratory Institute. That's okay. um, so those, 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 those certifications are geared towards, it's really interesting. There's sort of a clinician side to it. There's also this, sports fitness side to it um so it's 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 an interesting sort of piece to add to the swimming Mm -hmm. um because you can use it for dry land and that's where i really appreciate it i don't obviously i'm not going to be treating people like a clinician so i want to be treating people like a coach yeah so putting similar breakouts that a clinician would do but with more of a sports mindset to it um and so it's really centered around uh gait and so it's really helpful for runners but you can take those similar concepts and apply them to swimming in slightly different ways so it's it's been really helpful for my clients that do have a really hard time with their rib mobility um and their thoracic mobility in general so meaning like how someone's shoulder blade might glide up their rib cage or maybe not glide up the rib cage at all so <laughs> It's okay. I just, I mean, I figured like, I was interested in it because it seemed like, uh, it was all tied into, I mean, you have this diverse and, and robust swimming history. And then you also have this, uh, intimate interaction with physical therapy and more, uh, specific language about the body posture, like the, the bones in the body and, and muscles and, yeah. and, and things. So I, 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 I like that merging of knowledge and then the application you have for swimming. Um, I just felt it would be neat to mention. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And we work very closely with strength and conditioning coaches and, and I've seen in strength and conditioning coaches, a big sort of shift into incorporating breathing work into their uh, programming um, so they typically use a protocol called DNS. I don't even know what DNS stands for off the top of my head, um, but it's, it's very similar to PRI. Okay. Uh, do you, um, do you, like, have you found yourself looking at people breathing, like when you're walking on the street and you're like, Oh, they got good bo- breath postures up oh, something else. <laughs> what, what I actually, this is going to sound weird, but I, what I always start to notice is which shoulder is higher than the other. Really? All right. So everyone, yeah. So if everyone, like if you walk, look at yourself in a mirror and you just let your shoulder, your arms just hang, uh-huh. you will probably have a shoulder that's higher than the other. Um, and I'm just always just fascinated by which shoulder is actually higher. What could that possibly mean? Because <laughs> what that really is, is, is your, your ribs, right? So yep. your ribs are, are in a position where your shoulder blade's sitting differently on one side than it is on the other side. And so one side is going to be higher. And so I try to like, correlate with like okay well this shoulder's higher um does this mean this person won't be able to do this task if i ask them to 
or mm-hmm. vice versa. Will they be able to do this task if I ask them to? Um, so as I kind of get um, somewhat, somewhat. <laughs> so sometimes I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, my left shoulder sits higher than my right. Like noticeably okay. or like a, like like an inch? Like what are you talking like? <laughs> uh, I don't look like Quasimodo, if that's okay. what you're asking. And that's what I was thinking um, about. Right? But... <laughs> and I know you don't, so I'm like, this is <laughs> like how drastic of a no, but change. It's noticeable to me. I mean, but if you yeah. get up, you know, you start doing weird things where you just kind of start, start noticing people's shoulders yeah. discrepancy. Yeah. All right. So what that means to me or for me is I'm doing something with my right side of my, my torso that I probably shouldn't be doing. Which is causing what it's called like a zone of apposition in your core. So my right side is probably a little bit tighter than my left side. Mm-hmm. And that means when you take in a breath, you kind of cross breathe, right? So my zone of apposition on my right side is causing my left lung to fill up with air. Make sense? Yeah, so it does. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. But my left lung isn't going to be able to draw in as much air because of my diaphragm. It's not a perfect dome. It's like a double hump, so to speak, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff on my left side, a lot of organs over there. So Mm -hmm. if I'm taking in majority of my air on my left side, I'm probably not doing a good job of taking in air. So I constantly try to work on making sure uh, whatever dry land exercises I'm doing, I'm focusing I'm, I'm creating more of a zone on my left side so my right side can take in more air. Interesting. So it, can you, <laughs> is, is, I mean, I, I totally follow along this line of thinking and it makes total sense. It, and it reminds me of the first time we talked and you're like, I'm going to say something sensational and provocative that swimming is the foundation <laughs> of breathing. And I'm thinking, of course it is like, obviously. And now, and I'm thinking, okay, what you just described about how, you know, if you have like a pinch is what I was thinking of. And you said the zone of, acti- mm-hmm. of, of what, what the word you apposition. Used? apposition. I'm thinking <laughs> of like a pinched muscle in my back. So I kind of lean towards the right a little bit. So my left shoulder is higher. And then when I breathe, it's not going to be as efficient because I'm kind of hob- like Quasimodo. I'm hobbling over to the side a little bit. But if I yeah. correct my posture with my breathing and I make it a habit, I'll be more efficient at breathing and a better posture. And we know that better posture in swimming is better and faster and easier because we want it to be lazy, right? The easiest way to get there fastest. (laughs) Um, I actually used to tell my kids, yeah, that swimming was like the ultimate lazy man or person sport because (laughs) it was essentially getting you to go from point A to B the fastest with the least amount of effort. And you know, yeah. if you have good posture, then you will will do that. So, um, and I've lost where I'm going with this, but I, I'm just fascinated. I like <laughs> I, I, I like how it, it seems so obvious once you have it explained, but when you're right. when you're not thinking about it, you just kind of gloss over it, and you're like, oh, it's just breathing. I'll work on head position instead. Does it? You know, that's like or yeah, yeah, or, or it's just like. Oh, that's how that person stands. That's what it is. That's how that person 
you know, has their body positioning in the water. That's how it is. I can't really make that big of a change. Mm-hmm. So, or, or turns out you can. Yeah, you can. Or, or what I'm thinking of is like, I'm going to start toying with their body posture and start asking them to like put their head down or reorientate their body position, like start moving their body around to kind of get that balance and posture. But what I hear is that if we work on our breath, we can achieve the same result without the struggle and fight of put your body down, like put your head down, put your head down, put your head down. I mean, you still have to do those things, but you can also approach it from the breath and still get results. Yeah. And I mean, what we're really getting at is saying, well, your, you say your skeleton is sort of like the underlying structure of your muscles, right? So if that's your underlying structure, you're going to have to adjust your underlying structure in order to get movement in certain places. So stretching can be completely pointless unless the underlying structure is supporting that stretch. Okay. And stretching is a huge part of of the swing. Yeah, Yeah. give me the example. Uh, Easiest example, easiest example would be um, doing your sort of uh, shoulder stretch when you put your arm up against the wall Mm -hmm. and you turn the opposite way, right? Well, a lot of that stretch does nothing. Um, because all you're really doing is, is kind of, you're barely stretching your pec minor. You're kind of stretching it, but not really, but you're more likely going to be stretching the ligament that kind of runs across the front of your shoulder. That kind of like connects your shoulder to your arm for a lot of kids. They do that stretch and they think it's awesome because they can keep their arm flat against the wall. And Mm -hmm. I was actually taught to do that. And all Mm -hmm. I was really doing was not allowing my shoulder blade to move which it would should move naturally inward towards my spine and forcing the stretch into the ligament of my shoulder. So all it did was actually stretch that ligament out, which, Oh, by the way, I had to have surgery on my senior year of college because it was so loose. My arm would just partially dislocate whenever it felt like it. So something like that. Well, really what you should be, if you wanted to stretch that pec minor and you probably should be stretching your left pec minor or is laying down on a a bench or a table, letting your left arm hang, making sure the shoulder blade is down in towards the spine, and then exhaling, letting your ribs come down and feeling the difference there, and then sort of letting your knees rotate the opposite direction. And so then you start to move the entire structure and you actually can then stretch that muscle a little bit more effectively. So where 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 did you like come across this info? Because I work with I work with a lot of coaches, and I I mm-hmm. see the the put your arm against the wall and twist your body away from your arm, and they're stretching that ligament. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I have like alarm bells going off saying don't stretch ligaments because it just weakens them and does nothing for the muscle. Um, where where did you i mean you you had surgery so you you were you were intimately knowledgeable about it for yourself but did you mm-hmm. uh, go through training for this is there i mean i'm not i'm right. not this, questioning you i just want to know so people that yeah. are interested yeah, have a is, resource to go to this is part of the pri concepts basically okay. where it's like tying breath into movement tying breath into posture okay great so all right 
Yeah. Do, do you have like a resource where uh, if anyone was interested, they could look more about that? They can go to the uh, Postural uh, Respiratory Institute website. Uh-huh. Um, and there is a ton of clinical research done that they could read those those papers. Um, and it is scientific research. It is not like biased articles. <laughs> That's good. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, so and that's it's, similar it's not to what, light reading. No, not by any means. So, but that's similar to what you're doing with clients at the Swimbox. It's exactly, exactly right. 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 Okay. Yeah, so I, wanna, I think it's important. The breathing and the stretching. No, no, I was going to transition. Well, but, no, it's fine. Um, I was going to say it's really, really important for me that my clients can, um, look at an online resource like that and go, okay, what he's doing isn't sort of witchcraft or voodoo <laughs> or nonsense. There's some scientific basis here. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that comes across in your delivery. I mean, you, when you, when you discuss these things, it's very precise and it's very, um, you're talking about body components and, and muscles and skeletal structure and bones with precision. And I think that's because of your intimacy with the material and the uh, studies that go along with it that back up your results. I don't think um, it's not simply an anecdotal, oh, this seems right. I think it, it the way you describe it is with such detail and attention to specifics um, that I'm personally, I'm like, okay, well, where can, where can I get all this? Cause I can't remember all that. Like, where can I find a resource for that? And, and I think you, you provided that here. Um, good. So, uh, but uh, I, I, we we're running out of time. I just want to run by you what I've been doing with uh, my kids and kind of get your take on it. Sure. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I feel like, I'm missing something. Um, and, and I'm hoping that you can kind of like give me some pointers on what I'm really struggling with is going from dry land into a water setting with people, mm-hmm. children with limited attention um, or limited ability for deliberately practicing something, um, which, and I still, I, I, I have to tell you, I totally took the, what is it? The fail game? No. Is it the fail game? The, that you have. Oh, yeah. The uh, redemption, the redemption (laughs) game. The redemption game. Oh my gosh. I love it. You can call it the fail game if you want. (laughs) I do. I do actually. I call it the fail box, um, which was totally um, like coincidental to have box in it because I just happened to like box it off to make it legible. So like, (laughs) like they have an opportunity to do a streamline plus like, two strokes of butterfly. And if it's not perfect, they fail and they have to do something from the fail box, which is like a 50 freestyle. But if they do it perfectly, then they succeed and they can do something from the success box, like 10 flips or something fun. But it's basically the redemption game with like, like specific skills for short. And then like a failure and a success option, depending on the performance of that at the time. So that was awesome, by the way. I, I totally love that. Um, it's but okay. So so in dry land, 
we do like 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 uh um we do three breaths like count three breaths and make your belly big mm-hmm. make your belly small um we do uh like put your hands on your on your waist and when you breathe make your torso big like your back and your belly like push your belly button mm-hmm. out and stick your back out and then we lay on our back and we'll do like and you mentioned this earlier like opposites to get to where you want to go so you can feel both and then like know what's wrong and know what's good we'll do um like make your back arch and take three breaths and then press your back against the floor and take three breaths kind of aiming at that 360 breathing um mm-hmm. which was like using your whole body to take a breath um we haven't done crocodile breaths like it, it's just that's probably something I'm missing out on is adding that into our, our program, our like sequence. Um, but mm-hmm. once we get in the water, like, right, we have that like awareness of making your body breathe, not just your chest. So like kind of like introducing the idea that there's a tension placed on your breath. But when we get in the water, yeah. I feel like we're so overwhelmed with just doing a streamline or like, putting your face in the water and not lifting it up to breathe that it kind of overrides any time we can spend on breathing. Like how, how can I frame the same goal that we're doing in on land into like a 25 freestyle? Like what are some words I can use to cue for my younger swimmers to pay attention to their breath in a way that isn't aligned with the foundation breathing method? Is is it possible for you to not do twenty fives and just do twelve and a half? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we do that okay. all the time. So then, yeah. yeah so maybe, um, like I had mentioned before uh, about my eleven year old client today, maybe it's about um, you know only taking six strokes, and in those six strokes, you don't you don't take a breath, mm-hmm. and just be mindful of your rib position after six strokes stand up wherever you stop you stop Mm -hmm. everyone will meet in the middle of the pool and you know we'll turn around we'll go back to the wall Mm -hmm. um i think keeping it short keeping it so that they don't have to breathe actually really helps because then sort of everyone has a built-in survival mechanism so when they start turning their head to breathe that's their priority everything else goes to the side um so I like the idea of starting without a breath um, and, and, and sort, of, sort of repeating that idea of no breath, no breath, no breath, so that they can develop that new habit, that habit of being down. And then what I kind of do with my younger swimmers is a mock breath where mm-hmm. they're just turning their head, but they're not actually taking in air. Okay. So then they get the idea of, okay, well, I've got to keep my ribs down. I know what I'm doing here. Um, I'm only doing, I'm only going to go 12 and a half yards and I don't have to go very far. So, um, maybe I would just turn my head, try to keep my ribs down as I turn my head, but I don't have to take a breath. I don't have to get air. By and turn, there's a hidden, go ahead. By turn, uh, turn your ribs down. You mean not bananaing or not tilting the pelvis mm-hmm. in the back arch you're saying. Okay. Right. right. Yep. So you're, Keeping you're, them closed. You're, you're aiming focus at the torso and the, the, the chest and abdominal cavity 
as part of the instruction, not simply the hands or the head or the feet. And by doing that, we're hinting at the breath to come later on. And, and really now that we're talking this out, it would probably make more sense to start this as like a kicking set where they're just kicking hands by their side um, on their stomach, face looking down, no breath needed, just go 12 and a half yards. Most kids should be able to get close to that. Yep. Um, or, or even if you just have a marker on the side of the pool, go, okay, we're going to go 10 yards. And you might make it a game where you go, okay, we're going to go five yards. We'll go 10 yards. We'll go 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're just kicking, but maintaining that sort of um, mostly exhaled posture. So that way they don't have all the dynamics of having to move their arms. Mm-hmm as well because that could very very quickly arms you know can very quickly dominate um posture it shouldn't they should not but that doesn't mean they won't um so (laughs) that's usually a starting point for us actually is to go okay let's do this without arms let's see what happens if you can just do this with good posture and a kick um and then we add the rotation to it uh we let the rotation be sort of comfortable, like we're good, like comfortable 45 degrees of rotation. Mm-hmm. And then we um, maintaining that posture, still not taking a breath. Um, then we do underwater recovery freestyle. What, what, why? I, I've seen it. It's, I, I mean, I like it, but why, why the underwater recovery freestyle? What's the benefit so for that? I do this. I do underwater recovery freestyle specifically with sort of like uh, the breath in mind or the posture in mind. Mm-hmm. So that most of the time when people use their back, it's to help their arm exit the water. Ah. And so if your arm isn't exiting the water, you can keep that posture. And so now it's like you're sort of adding layers. You're saying, okay, well, we're not anywhere close to freestyle. You're just kicking flat on your stomach. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, well, freestyle has some rotation. So let's see if you can maintain that posture as you rotate. And we'll take a step closer to freestyle. Mm-hmm. And then the next step closer to freestyle, say, let's add your arms but let's not make it so difficult that you're going to fail. Let's keep your arms underwater. That way you can still keep this posture a little bit more easily, but it's still a challenge. It's still dynamic like swimming is going to be. Mm-hmm. And if they get good enough at underwater recovery freestyle, they have rotation, they have good posture. They can start to take a breath during, during underwater recovery freestyle. Awesome. And then, then you could go, now let's do full stroke freestyle. And this might be a progression or maybe like a, you know, a 10 minute part of your workout mm-hmm. for like three weeks where you're just working on kicking and, and <laughs> rotating with a good posture. And before yeah. you even come close to adding your arms, you know? Yeah. Well, establish habit. I really want to hit on what you just said, because it was the language I was going to use to describe what you were talking about was uh, progression and like incremental, mm-hmm. slow, step-by-step progression where you're layer and you use layering in ever more difficult skills, which is the in my opinion the best way to teach a complex skill like swimming which is very physically based and has a lot of complicated moving parts and the way you described it i think reflects the way you think and approach swimming as we're going to start an achievable base and then build up from there um which is which fits in very nicely to what we've been doing in our program uh, as well so um, that was awesome. really exciting to hear. Um, you have a, 
uh, I just want to spend like two or three minutes here. You have an endless pool and I know you're a big fan yeah. of it. Um, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking to get some as well. What, why do you, why did you go with endless pool? What do you like about it? How big is your, your pool and the speed, um, of the one that you have? So the one that we currently have is 14 feet long. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's top speed is a one Oh five per 100, mm-hmm. uh, yards. Um, I like them because endless pools makes sure that you're taken care of. Um, so I, from the, from the get go meeting with them, mm-hmm. they really love the idea of swim coaches using their product. And so they, they go out of their way to make sure that as a swim coach, you're, you're receiving good customer service. Um, and I, I've never had a problem with the pool. I've never had a problem with endless pools. They've been amazing to work with and, and very supportive of us. Um, and so having the endless pool allows you to have opportunity to see things that you couldn't see elsewhere um, as far as how people move in the water. And then um, for our second location, we're actually getting a bigger pool. Our pool is going to be, that pool is going to be about 18 feet long. Uh-huh. Um, is it the double? It's no, it won't be the double. I okay. personally don't like the doubles because yep. I would never teach two people at the same time. Like I wouldn't have okay. another instructor teaching someone at like opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't have an indoor voice. Like I'm always talking very loudly. <laughs> um, so uh, it would be just chaos if there were two coaches, in my opinion, two coaches, you know, talking to their clients and t- clients talking to their coaches. Um, so that one's 18 foot long. Um, and that's, I think that one's going to be going around a 55 pace per 100 yards. Nice. And the, and I understand so it'll it's be like, pretty quick. Yeah, that is fit. I, I understand that you can like just drop a, a like a chlorine pellet and that's all you need to do to take care of it. I mean, there's uh, probably so more stuff, but water treatment. Works. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty easy to take care of. Um, liquid chlorine is the way to go, really. Okay. Um, it's essentially bleach, right? Yep. So you just put in a, eight ounces of liquid chlorine in the beginning of the day and the end of the day and pretty much takes care of itself. Um, we have a UV light system set up as well to help keep the water clean. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so easy to maintain. It, it's, it's almost like a no-brainer. It seems like it. I mean, it seems awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited yeah, to yeah, potentially I mean, get involved with one of them. Yeah. So, right. And if you want to talk offline about stuff, I'm always, always available um, to, to help out. So Cool. That's great. Uh, I, I just want yeah. to wrap up here. Um, uh, we, you have the foundation breathing method online. Uh, you can mm-hmm. get it through the swimbox.com. Um, you're looking to set up a second location, which will be soon. Any, any date or uh, expected time next year? So hope no. hopefully it'll be open by June or mid June. Right. Do you know, are you advertising yeah. location? Yeah, so it'll be in Arlington, Virginia. Okay, which is where nearby so, where you're at now. Yeah, so it's about a 25 minute drive from where I'm at right now. So. Great, great, congratulations! It just it just makes it a little bit more convenient for some of my other clients. That's so. that's fantastic. Great. Yeah. 
Okay. I, is there anything else you want to add or mention or talk about? Um, you know, if you are out there and you want to look for swimming stuff, you can always go to our Instagram at swim underscore box. And uh, we always post videos and, and tips and stuff. And we're on YouTube and you can check out uh, the Swimbox YouTube channel. Um, so, you know, we're always open to answering questions. We always communicate with everyone that, that contacts us via social media or email. Um, so I'm always happy to answer questions. That's awesome. And I can attest that your Instagram is awesome. Um, a lot Thank of you. good videos, <laughs> a lot of interesting stuff, not just, uh, it's not like, um, uh, stock images. It's actually, you're actually showing what you're doing in a interesting, um, unique way. So good, 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 good on you. Yeah. Check it out. Yep. Thank you. All right. Dominic, thank you. thank you. Appreciate your time. Uh, and thank you very much for being on here. It was a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. There we have it. Our conversation with Dominic Latella from theswimbox.com. Now, I highly recommend that you go to the website, theswimbox.com, and click on Foundational Breathing Method for Swimming. There you can enroll in the course and see for yourself what it is we're talking about that is so transformative from a swimming perspective. We're going to, Dominic's going to take you through what breathing is, how it works, and how it applies to your swimming, either as a swim coach. Uh, There's a lot of language in here that it's very specific for swimming that you can relate to if you're a swim coach. Uh, For example, I've gone through this course and have benefited from it in my instruction and coaching and teaching. Uh, Like I said in the podcast, um, we actually use a lot of these same methods in our developmental swim program uh, and then carry them through uh, the foundation uh, through the rest of our program as well. Um, And so if you're a swim coach, you're going to get a lot of value out of this because you're going to immediately see the benefits of um, increased core, I want to say, flotation, but that's not really what I want to say. It's more you're going to see the benefits of an engaged core without the rigid, um, uh, like, sinking that you get when you squeeze your belly. Um, Your swimmers are going to be able to do it longer. They're going to be able to rotate on their spinal axis better because they have better buoyancy in the water as a result of using their whole back and body with their breath. And the breath defines the rest of the posture and movements. Um, So you're going to get a lot of benefit out of this as a swim coach. As a swimmer, if you're in triathlons or if you're doing something similar like that, or you're just swimming on your own, you can still take this course and then Using the methods and the guides and the six-week and four-week training programs that are offered in it as uh, like homework almost for the course, you can teach yourself how to be a better swimmer when you use this material. Um, I've definitely tried it when I've been in the pool myself, and I've found it to be a successful, not easy, but 
conceptually easy way to improve my swimming. Uh, it's all about changing habits and uh, deliberate practice when you're in the water. So uh, definitely check it out, theswimbox.com. And we just talked to Dominic Latella. And together, tomorrow, we can teach better lessons. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you.